Men need community. Without it, they tend to stay isolated and distant from one another. Our guest today, Greg Beecham, discusses how his church, Little Zion Baptist Church in Powhatan, Virginia, engaged men in biblical community on this week's episode of the Noble Man Podcast. Folks, thanks for joining us for the Noble Man Podcast. We're here today with uh, a friend, a brother in Christ, a member of the Noble Warriors Board of Directors, Dr. Greg Beecham, who's pastor of Little Zion Baptist Church. Joining me as a guest today, Greg, welcome, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Mike, for inviting me to be here with you on today. And I'm Dr. Greg Beecham. Uh, I'm a pastor of Little Zion Baptist Church. I think more importantly, I'm a born-again Christian. Yep. Uh, I love the Lord with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. And uh, I'm a father, I'm a husband, a, a one wife. I only could handle one, but one. <laughs> um, I got three children. Uh, been married, matter of fact, uh, this year will be 29 years. Okay. And so we're looking forward to our 30th year celebration after we get rid of the kids because the kids keep sucking up all our celebrations between graduations and <laughs> And marriage and weddings and things like that. But then we have three children. We have a son and two daughters as well. I teach in a seminary setting. I pastor a church, been pastoring Little Zion Baptist Church for 22 years now. Married a lot of folk, baptized a lot of babies. Hard to believe 22 years went by real fast. Yeah. We've been talking, folks, about mentoring. And I know Greg does a lot of mentoring, especially investing in young men. And I wanted to start with a passage here that he and I were kind of chopping up in our in our pre-recording conversation. I want to go to 2 Timothy, where he says, um, he's, he's speaking to Timothy, Paul is, and he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And man, that's, um, you know, one of the things we were talking about is it, the, the African-American culture is often a, a matriarchal culture, especially as it relates to the church. But you're getting to invest in a lot of young men who, like Timothy, their faith journey may have started by the investments of their mothers or grandmothers. But man, when they meet Greg Beecham, Pastor Greg Beecham, then you become a Paul in their lives. So, so talk about that a little bit. Well, matter of fact, uh, we started a fatherhood program. One of the first things when we when I came to the church almost 22 years ago, one thing we did we launched a, a men's ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's <laughs> we tried on two or three different occasions. It didn't go well. Yeah. Um, the the men wouldn't come. <laughs> um, we we'd get a few to come and then they'd drift away or whatever. And what frustrated me so much was. Uh, we had a women's ministry, and they would come out, and you it could be in the morning, it could be on Saturday, it could be in the evening, and it was 40, 50, 60 women would show up. They even had an occasion or had a service that over 100 women showed up. They had 100, I mean, and they didn't have to, they didn't have to pull no teeth, they didn't have to <laughs> twist no arms, and the women would just come, all ages. They would have the little girls, the teenagers, the young women, the married women, the mothers, the grandmother. And I said, but we, the men were struggling. We couldn't get 15 men together. And so one of the things, a couple of things that we did that was a little different, we went and we uh, went into the county and said, okay, let's throw out a bigger net. And the bigger net, instead of just targeting what's in our church, let's do a fatherhood program for the county. And they supported us. They financially supported us. Matter of fact, they gave us a grant. 
We did that for almost six years. The men came out, and we got to the point that we had got uh, went to the court system. The court would even send us men that was struggling with their marriages. They was going through divorce or even with child support or whatever the case, and they would mandate them to come with us. And so we got certified and, and had curriculum. And so we blended the Bible with the secular curriculum, and we had the men come, and we offered them a meal right after work. We said, don't change your clothes because we know if they go home right. and sit down, they wasn't coming back out. And so the men would come straight from work and come and, and sit in the program, and it would be a 12-week program they would go through. And what happens is after 12 weeks, we couldn't get rid of them. They stayed with us, and we was training them. One of the sad things of COVID was that they basically took the funding away because of the fact that um, uh, as we were going through COVID, they were looking, and we was getting audited, and they was looking at how many men was coming. And we wasn't getting the men in coming because of COVID. Right. They couldn't risk their jobs to come and sit. I told them, I said, this is almost like a catch-22 here. Right. You tell them to come sit here with us, and then they catch COVID, they can't go to work. Or they take it home to their wives or their, their children. So right now we're in communications about being refunded again. So we stopped. they stopped funding us for last year since COVID. But the powerful thing of it is it caused a relationship that continue on to this day. I, I have about four men that I mentor now, and they text me every day. Matter of fact, I got off of one just this afternoon. I was driving up to your office, and he texted me, and we talked for almost an hour on the phone. He's on his way to work in Hampton, and I'm talking to him, and he's, you know, talking about some of the things he's doing, and I'm coaching him through life. And he's one of the ones that was raised by his mama. And going back to our text, and so in the African-American community, many times where we find God, where we, where we find our relationship with Christ, is first our mothers or our grandmothers or our aunts introduce us to Christ. But it still needs some men mentoring because how do you know how to be a man unless someone there to mentor you and guide you through some of the men things? Right. So, you know, a couple of things that I pick out of this, you were taking their excuses away. And, and, and I'm just going to go back and hit some of this because you said, and I think this is brilliant, if they go home and sit down and get distracted, they're not coming back out. So you you got to take the excuses away so that they come on to church and uh, and get involved in that whole thing. So that's important. Yeah, it's very important. What start tickling me later on in the in the program and everything, the wives would call and say, "My wife, my husband came home early. Is something wrong?" They expected them to come, and I, I remember one of the um, the year ending celebrations we had about two about three years ago. Um, the young man that was going through the program, everything, he brought his father so he can receive a certificate of his 12 weeks training. And when he came and showed up, his father sat there and cried. Wow. And he stood up and he said, can I say something? And in, in the essence of what he said was, I am so sorry, son, that I couldn't be the mentor I should have been for you. Hmm. And he said, I'm so proud of the man that you, you are right now. And then the father said, I want to be a part of this program myself. Wow. Because he, I didn't know how to father you because I wasn't father myself. And so the importance of being mentored or having a father in your life is so important. And I, I think one of the reasons why I, it's so important to me because my father wasn't there all the time. He's an Army Ranger, and he was always gone. And so I made sure, I thought in my mind, and I made sure in my mind, once I gave my life to Christ, that I was going to in turn make sure I mentor others. Now, a couple of things there, man. I just love to pick up on these things and run with them because I think it's fascinating that the wives and the children were expecting the men to go and be part of that. And so we have a few ladies that listen to this Noble Man podcast, and um, I love it. I think one of the high-value assets that we have in men's ministry is a committed wife and kids 
who want to see their husbands, their fathers, their sons involved in something like this. And and I often tell ladies, especially, that if you'll let your husband, if you'll release him, not, not that he's got to have permission, but if you'll take away the guilt of allowing him to go and participate in a conference or an event or some sort of training experience, then our promise is we're going to send him back to you better than he was when he came. The comments that we get are from wives and mothers who says, I'm not sure what's going on there, but I like it. Keep doing it. So you're seeing that. And and, and Mike, the thing um, that we're really dealing with in our culture today is this. The women are crying, and they're crying by themselves in corners in Mm. silence. When they reach out to the pastor or they reach out to someone, they expecting something to happen, and without the relationship of the pastor with the with mm-hmm. this, their husband or their son or or another another man in the church right. having that relationship, yeah, because the pastor can't do it all, can't do it so all. So we've got to mobilize some other guys to be involved in the lives of men, because otherwise they'll think that they are not cared about or not important in church. I think sometimes, and I don't know about all churches, but in the African American church, the women are so. <laughs> and I might get beat up on this one, but the women are so catered to and taken care of in such a way in the church that sometimes um, the men feel beat up on when they mm-hmm. come. And I, I, we try to make it a safe place for them. In our meetings, we talk about everything, everything from marriage and communication, sex, pornography. I mean, we talk about all of it. We talk about how to raise your children, how, how to talk to your children. I mean, talk about finances. You know, you got men that in debt, and, they, and and a lot of times women is, is just different. I I sat back and listened to my wife on the phone. They tell everything. They talk about us bad. I mean, they tell all our business and everything. Now, guess what my husband did yesterday? But men don't do that. Men think they're the only one that's going through. And I think that's why it's so important that you have a mentor. I, I was t- having a discussion with my, me and my brother was talking yesterday. And we was talking about some things we was going through in marriage. And I did not know he was going through some of the things that he was going through. And I was sharing some things and whatever. And when we said, man, I said, we should have talked a little bit more when we right. were younger. But we we was never taught that. Now we talk about everything. And I think that's where we got to get them into a comfort that they could talk about things. And that's where a mentor comes in. is Because some things you want to share in a group. But sometimes you need that mentor you just could call on and talk to. Well, and, and you use the word isolation, I think, and that's one of Satan's great tricks. If he can get you to think you're the only one that's ever dealt with this particular issue or that concern or this temptation, then he's got you in a pinned-down position, and, you, and you're afraid because then shame comes into the picture, and you're ashamed of where you are, what you've done, what you are doing, and you're afraid to go out and deal with it or talk to someone. And so, yeah, we need those those safe places to have those conversations. And I tell people all the time that men, if if there's not someone helping manage the conversation, we'll talk about NASCAR and the NFL and the NCAA and the NBA and everything except the real issues in our lives. And so we we have to work at that. It's not it's not a natural posture for us to, I uh, always say, take off your armor and be vulnerable with someone else, but that's exactly what we need. And then I'll go back to your comment about the dad who came to see his son graduate and said, I just didn't know any better. Man, there are some seasoned men in our churches that they never had the opportunities to be part of what you're talking about, part of what Noble Warriors offers, part of what 
we see churches beginning to do, but they still have a lot of wisdom. They can tell us a lot about what happens when you don't have Christ in your life, when you don't have discipleship. Man, we need to hear their stories. And so even those guys are valuable to be part of these conversations. Would you agree with that? So much. It's so important that men, as they their children leave the home and they start their children start having their children and they their grandchildren come into the scene that they still can go back and mentor. I've known you for quite a few years, and uh, we did a manger build at our church, and I think that was one of one one of the most powerful events that we did because what we did we just said I don't care whose children they are. There was mothers that dropped their children off. These men was helping children. Some didn't have no children no more. Their children grown. We had some men their children in their forties and. 30s and 40s themselves and they helping these little five-year-olds and right. seven-year-olds and 12-year-olds and it was such a powerful time and even to this day some of them kids have grown up and they refer to them as, as father figures right and so you know those meaningful moments of mentoring and, and sometimes we think we gotta uh, have a particular map out conversation sometimes just being there i i call it the ministry of presence yep being there, showing up at certain things, going, sitting in the stands, watching them play a basketball game, taking them out after the basketball game, buying them a burger and a hot dog, and uh, say, "Hey, I'm proud of you. Did good." Or standing in the stands when they they get a honor, they go they get a certificate for honor roll, and you show up or whatever. Or just going by. We have one one gentleman has no children, whatever. He came to the meetings so he can go back to the schools. And mentor some because we had a mentor program at the school, and so it was it was so bad. And he would call me on special meetings, and said, you know, I ain't never had no children, and th- and this gentleman's he's older than I am, so he he's in the sixties, and so he I mean raising children was just beyond him. He did he didn't know what to do, he didn't know yeah. what to say to this young, and so he was struggling with something. And he said, I thought I'm so glad I have you as a mentor, and so I was mentoring him, but he was older than I was, and so the whole thing about mentoring, I think sometimes like you said at the beginning. It's not about how much you know. It's about how much you're going to invest. If you're willing to invest, age may not be so much important because guess what? Both parties learn. That's right. You know, you may learn from their wisdom, but guess what? You learn for their youth and, and from their experience as well. Men, I want to take a second and tell you about the newest resource from Noble Warriors. We call it Meet Me at the Fire. This six-week study is designed to engage men around a fire pit with stories of how fire is used in the Word of God. For a limited time, and as a thank you for listening to the Nobleman Podcast, you can get this study for half off using the code PODCAST50. You can find the link and the code in the description of this podcast. Thank you for your support for Noble Warriors and for the Nobleman Podcast. Well, you know, there's another there's another verse that I, I thought of uh, from Paul in 1 Corinthians. It's, uh, it's chapter 4, verse 15. It says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And so I love the fact that you're talking about this guy who had no kids of his own, but became a spiritual father and was investing in other folks. And we need, we need to bring that back into the church, is this idea of spiritual fathering. So tell me a little bit more about how you see that happening, the spiritual fathering taking place. Who fathered you? I know your dad was active in your life. But who were some other men who invested in you? My grandfather was one, both of them. I had two grandfathers. They both pastored. I used to drive. Every time I got a break, I would drive to go see him and just sit. I would lay in his floor. He had, you know, they had a carpet on the floor. And I would lay in his floor. He sat in this chair. And I will ask one question. He'd just start talking. And I will sit there. And I, I, even when I went off to the military, I would take leave. I'd call my mom and say, you know, 
and call my father and my mom and say, okay, I'm coming to see y'all, but after I go see granddad. And I'll go stay with him for two weeks of the month, and then i come back and see them for the last two weeks. But I'll stay there, and I'll ask them one question and just sit there and listen. And to this day now, I could be doing something, and I hear his voice. Yeah. I hear something that he said that I didn't get then. Right. I didn't understand at 15 or 20 or 25. But now I said, I understand. Prime example, I, my son got married last week. Right. And I sat there and I said, this is what they was talking about. Yeah. I, 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 you know, my fathers and my grandfathers told me about this day and talked about how proud they was of me when I got married and then, you know, proud of the man that was and everything. And I, I couldn't relate to it. But when I saw my son come out and I said, I get it. Right. You know, and so it's so, so being the, the whole process of mentoring is so powerful because the women do it so well. Mm. well in the African-American church, we used to call them Big Mama. Big Mama took care of everybody. She cooked yeah. for everybody. She took care of everybody. She made sure. And matter of fact, she took care of several homes at the same time. She, you know, everyone, certain homes, it was everyone could go to Big Mama's house. And Big Mama would make sure everyone ate, yeah. everyone was good. And so it could be 15, 20 kids in one house. And she took care of everyone. But one thing I've I've seen, and even as as I'm getting older, or whatever, you don't see big daddies. You know, you you'll see big daddies. You it gets to a point that they get to a point they isolate themselves. They don't gravitate the children to them. And, and I always dreamed of being big daddy, um, and being that dude that people call and say, you know what? I, I need some wisdom from you, big daddy. I need I need so, to talk to you. So clearly, Satan is taking those guys out. Yeah. How is he doing it? He's doing it so many ways. It was like you said it before, guilt, shame from the past, um, you know, the whole thing. And I know this may sound a little secular, the midlife crisis, mm-hmm. that midlife crisis in the 50s or whatever. If you don't accomplish a certain thing and the world will tell you that if you, you don't have a certain size house or a certain car or you don't, you don't, you're not doing a certain thing, or, you know, because you was a football player and you was an all-star football basketball player when you was in high school. But now, you, you know, you're 55. Those glory days are gone. Exactly. You, you, now you can't run as fast. You can't jump. You can't do that. So the physical thing, because you were strong and everything, all your accolades was in your strength. Now as you age and get older, if you're not careful, if you don't grow spiritually, you don't have nothing to give. And, and then many times, especially in the African-American church, Big Mama, I'm going to say Big I'm going to use the term Big Mama, or the mother of the – She's at Bible study. She's at Sunday school. So she's getting poured into. She getting poured into all the time. She's listening to to the uh, podcasts and teachings, and she's getting up having morning devotions. She's praying in the morning. She's praying for the family, and, and you ask, and then sometimes when you ask the man to pray, I, I can't pray past. And and you know, so some of this comes from, and I I think you've probably been around when we've had David Murrow in, and why men hate going to church. And so the more feminine the church looks and feels, the less likely the men are to engage it. And so I think, I mean, we see this across the board in all churches, but I've heard a number of folks say that that is, I mean, it's amplified in the African-American church because it leans so far to the feminine that guys just check out because it doesn't even feel like a place for guys. Is that a a fair challenge? That's part of it. In a lot of our churches— if you say, okay, let's cut the grass, let's paint the church, the men show up. And so that's when that's when you got to use a little <laughs> little wisdom that even when you do those type of things, there got to be some teaching moments. Otherwise, it's just y'all out there eating hamburgers. Right. It's just y'all out there playing cornhole 
or whatever case, they'll come out for those type of things and those type of outings. But the women come out and say, let's go pray. And 100 women come out to pray. So part of what you're saying is that someone has to be intentional about turning every gathering into an opportunity for discipleship. I think that's what Jesus did. Jesus did with the disciples all the time. He tied what they knew into a spiritual teaching. And I, and I think we got to be more intentional in that um, because it's not natural for men to go right into the spiritual. And so sometimes because all the things that we deal with and we've been taught that we have to be strong men and we got we can't cry. Men don't want to cry, not in front of other men. We've had sessions that all of us in there crying, holding on to each other and crying. But we had to, no women could be there because, you know, you got to be tough around your wife. You got to be tough for the girls. And, and you find yourself that there is a, there is something down in there that is broken. There's a little boy inside every man that's, that's right. broken and, and missing something. And um, only, only Christ can meet that need. And sometimes we cover it up and say, you know what, I can cover it up. And that's why we have alcoholism so high. That's why we have workaholism, spousal yeah. abuse. I mean, you got, we got so many issues that running rapid through. And I think the devil is using all of that. That's right. To continue to keep our families broken. And if the family broken, the church is broken. Right. You know, so uh, Pastor Beecham at his church says a men's chorus, and they invited him to join. And I love this story. But they won't let him sing. And I talked to the guys about it. They said they don't like for him to sing. They just invited him out so he can pray. But here's what I love about this pastor's heart is that he, want, he, he told me, he said, I want to be where the men are. And so that's why you're there. You want to be where, where the men are gathered because where the men are, you want to be there and turn it into a discipleship moment. Look, what makes, so, what makes that so funny? I, I think <laughs> I, I've served in every capacity of the church. I've, I've scrubbed floors. I worked in the nursery. I've done everything. I've sang in the choir. Matter of fact, when I was, in, in, when I was younger, they asked me to leave the choir because they said, this is not your gifting. <laughs> <laughs> so when, I, when the men asked me to join – they ask every man that joined. Yeah. I mean, we got a couple men in the church, and they and they equate that to a unity. And it's a bond between them guys. Sure. And so they ask every man. And I, I joined at one point early on in the pastor. I said, you know, I was in it for maybe a couple of years or what. I just didn't feel it. They even gave me a solo, and I sang a solo at a, at a, at a concert. But all the responsibilities of being pastor, I kind of drifted away from going – can't make all the choir rehearsals. I'm at the hospital. I'm right, this, right. And so I'm studying for the message and so forth. And so I made it intentional a few years back. Maybe it's been about eight years now. And I made it intentional to, to join again and be part of the choir and be intentional to stay in it. And the only reason is to be with the men. Yeah. And so I don't even pray all the time now. I mean, I've gotten to the point, won't you pray? Yeah. And won't you pray or whatever? Because you know, I pray all the time. And so – it's it's been powerful because now I know things about the men right. that I would have never known as the pastor. Because guess what? They talking. Right. They talking among themselves. And me being in the pulpit or me being um, preaching or whatever, I would never know those certain things. I I wouldn't know what teams they like, and I wouldn't know what's going on with their wives in their family lives and so forth. And so I yeah I made it intentional, and it's it's been so powerful in how. Uh, we have grown together and bonded as men. And, and now they know a lot about me as well. Right, right. Because you have to do that. You have to expose yourself. I, I'm working with a couple of guys um, on uh, Monday mornings. I meet with some guys, and I'm challenging them to live out First Peter 3, 7. Live with your wives in an understanding way. And so I'm challenging these guys. And what, every week I want you to come, and I want you to tell me something new you learned about your wife. There's plenty to learn. And that always moves us to another conversation that goes deeper. And 
And so it's just fun. It's exploring getting to know each other. And we, you know, we need to do that with our wives and our kids, but we also need that to, to happen in the presence of other men as well. So we go deeper. Yeah. I, I think one of the most powerful things that we, I think we are, especially in the church, we are so intentional about our relationship with God. And I think that is important. Yeah. I, of course that is. I, I believe that we need it. We understand that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He rose again for us. And he's coming back for us. And because of that, we are redeemed. We have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're saved. But the thing about it is I think one of the problems that happens is that we think our relationship with God automatically helps our relationship with one another. And I think we got to be intentional with our relationship with one another. And I think that's where the mentorship comes in. Right. And not only our relationship with other men, but our relationship with our our children, relationship with our wives. Uh, we as men sometimes can be very shallow and we don't be flexible. One of the best things that ever happened to me, I grew up in a household with predominantly men. I had two brothers and one sister. Well, I got two daughters. If, if, you, if you ever want to be broken and you ever want to really know, live in a house with three women. And see, my son's the oldest. So I'm in the house with three basically women. And they really put me in my place. Yeah. And so And so I think as men, as we grow, we learn how to be able to relate and mentor and, and, and be that father that that's we right. talked about, not only to the, our sons, but also to your daughter. Man, that's a whole nother, I mean, we could do a whole nother conversation about what it means to care for your daughter as well. Any final words or anything about mentoring and, and investing in men as we close here? Oh, I, first of all, I want to thank you, Mike and Noble Warriors, for all that you do. Um, I know I'm on the board, but also I just thank God for the ministry because it's so much needed today. Mm. And I, I, I hope that whoever's listening, uh, I don't care if you're a mother or a father or a pastor, please, please, you know, invest in your young men. Please encourage your young men to speak to someone. I think we're in a season that you – Everyone needs a mentor, and even though you need a mentor, you also need a men- yeah. you need a mentor someone else. It's a cycle that continues to go. So you never—I don't care how old you get—it never ends. That's exactly right. It never ends. It never ends. So thank you for this time, and uh, and uh, I just thank God for you, and uh, and we will continue to keep you in prayer as you continue to do this great work that oh, you're doing. Well, I love it, and I and I love guys that I can chop it up with like you. So thank you so much. Thank you for your witness, for your investment in me, and and this ministry, and uh, for your own family, and the the legacy of ministry is just a bunch of fun. So thanks for being with us. Dr. Greg Beecham, we'll give you a link to his ministry, Beyond Walls Ministry, and uh, his church, Little Zion, out in Powhatan. Um, And I think you've got a couple of books, too, that we'll link to. We'll have more episodes with Dr. Beecham, but I'm so thankful for my friend, and I'm thankful for you guys listening and uh, participating in the Noble Man podcast. Please feel free to share this with some friends of yours. Um, give us a review on your podcast uh, listening app and um, share this with others. Help us to spread the word for the Nobleman Podcast. God bless you folks. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you next time. 